Hey friends, welcome back to part two of building a life-giving and emotionally safe home. Part one, if you haven't heard it already, go back, take a second, listen to that one. But just so you know, we are talking about what it means to have a fun, safe, joyful, and emotionally available home for your children. And I've spent a lot of time prying people open about what makes their family so strong, so successful, and built with such a solid foundation. And so I'm just sharing a few of the tips and tricks that I've received from these families whose children love their parents, love their siblings, love the Lord, and spend a lot of time together. And that's something that I really want for my family. And I assume a lot of people want the same thing. And so I hope that this quick episode encourages and challenges you to be intentional now because a happy home begins now. Also, if you haven't already, please take one second to subscribe to the podcast and then to rate and review Living Easy on iTunes. This helps me to get better interviewees and it also just helps me to keep on trucking. So let's jump in. We were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and crazy, but when we do life together, it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life and happy parenting, healthy marriages, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I also love sharing all the secrets about things that have worked for me so that they can help you. On Living Easy, I really like to dig deep. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insight and practical tips about things like time management, building a brand, traveling, strengthening your faith in your marriage, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. As I said in the intro, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about building a life-giving home that your children will want to come back to. So I laughed as I was walking into my room to record this because I thought to myself, wow, (laughs) there probably couldn't have been a day that I was less life-giving to my children or that I created a dynamic that was less joyful than I did today. So it was really convicting to me to come to you guys and to share this because I was just a mess today and I wasn't on my game and I was impatient and frustrated and just sucked the life out of my home um, and of my children, I'm sure. And so there was a lot of asking for forgiveness, which I talked about on the last episode, but it just didn't seem to be getting better. And so tonight before I recorded, I really needed to pray about where my heart was at, but I felt compelled to share with you guys that it was not a good day and that every day is not going to be life-giving. Every day is not going to be peachy and fun and smiley. And some days are going to be incredibly challenging and wearing and you will suck the life out of your home. But there's always tomorrow. Lamentations reminds us that God's mercies are new every morning. And so tomorrow is a new day. Um, and there will be conversations had with my children about my responses and my impatience with them today. So with all of that said, 
Again, living easy is about doing things together. I fell way short today. I do often, but I just have to get back up again and trust that God is pruning and sanctifying my heart as I fall. And I know that he is faithful to do that. So that gives me real, real, real hope. (laughs) If I didn't have that, I don't know what I would have. But let's begin with a few more tips that can help you to build a life-giving home. And the reason that I have two segments of this is because I think it's so important. I think that every aspect of this is crucial and it is necessary and that there are pieces of each thing that will build something different within your home, will strengthen something different within your home. And so that's why I wanted to share all of them. So number one, annual vacations with your family. Now hear me out. This does not have to be expensive, but this is another one of those conversations that I've had with so many families. And for whatever reason, there's a recurring theme of healthy, bonded, loving families who take family vacations once a year. And so I just kept seeing this pattern with people that they all go and do these things. And I have friends whose family members live all over the United States. Like literally she has a ton of siblings and none of them live in the same state as her. But every year they go and they do something fun together. And as they've gotten older, the trips have become more extravagant and fun now that they all have families. But it didn't always start that way. And honestly, I don't think you have to spend a lot of money for this to be something that is enjoyable for your children. Children look forward to things like this. They look forward to being with their family. They look forward to this consistency in their home, which is something that we'll talk about. But knowing each year, every summer or every fall, we get to go with our family to do something. It's so exciting. So for affordable options, you can go camping. You can take camping trips, drive three hours, four hours, whatever it might be, 45 minutes if you're lucky, and go camping for a night or two nights with your family. You guys, my voice is so raspy tonight. I had some hot sauce (laughs) and it was like really hot and it jacked me up. So I'm sorry. But anyway, you can go camping. My favorite trip that we have taken as a family was to Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And we rented this teeny tiny Airbnb. Um, It was right across from the river. It was super cute, but nothing fancy. I think it was one or two bedrooms. And all we did was hung out. We didn't do anything. We didn't go and get massages. We didn't go and pay for anything for the kids. We played in the front yard and the backyard all day. We walked across to the river. We had fishing poles. So we fished in the river and just enjoyed one another's company. And it was so, so nice. We were there for like three days. We had ice cream. We walked to breakfast in the mornings. Like it was just so relaxing and really, really affordable. The entire trip was so affordable. And so those are the types of things that you can do. My extended family has now started this because we all see the importance of having our cousins together and us all being together as siblings and with my in-laws. And so this last summer, we went to Durango, Colorado, and we stayed in a huge cabin, which we were able to split amongst all of us. And so if you're saving for that for an entire year, I can't even remember what we paid, maybe like $200, $300 each. It was nothing. And then we did the same thing. We literally just hung out. We played board games all day long. I am a Scrabble fanatic. And so my mother-in-law and I played Scrabble 
pretty much all day and all night. And then the kids just played. They ran out because it was on like 30 acres. Anyway, it wasn't crazy expensive for what you're getting and the time that you're getting. It's like real quality time, those types of trips. And so find something affordable. If you do have a lot of money, go and do something awesome, but make sure that it's quality time being spent together and plan it once a year and have it as something that your children can look forward to. Next, mixing structure and grace. So structure can make a lot of people cringe a little bit, maybe, especially if their home feels more like chaos than it does feel like a structured home. But it really does create a sense of peace within our children. I've seen it so much within my son Sutton. He's four and a half. He'll be five in July. And he really thrives off of structure. He relies on our day-to-day routine. And when it's thrown off, it kind of throws off his peace. And Although he would never say that or know how to communicate that, I can just kind of sense by the way things are going. When there is chaos, he'll say, why are things going so fast today? Or why did we not do this like we usually do? And there's this sense of inner turmoil, maybe a little bit. And so I've just seen firsthand how giving our family rules, specific days for specific things, having chores for the kids and responsibilities is really, really important. And when we don't have structure and when it's like screen time all day and eat whatever you want, or we don't have set time for bedtimes, things just get a little bit out of hand. Granted, I want to note, we in our home are all about fun. We're all about community. We're all about really like just being spontaneous and doing things. And so with that said, we're pretty crazy with our kids' sleep schedules, But aside from that, we don't allow our structure to hinder us from being spontaneous or having fun. We know that there are moments for that. There are times for spontaneity. There are times for letting go of all the rules and boundaries. But I can very confidently say that when we've had those moments or days or weeks, we are always so ready to get back into the swing of routine. So this is not counterintuitive to creating a fun home. Ultimately, what is most important is creating boundaries and rules that are sensitive to your home. And when you're aware of what your children need is when you can best create this structure in your house. It doesn't need to be oppressive. Structure shouldn't be oppressive. It shouldn't make your children feel as if they're under a dictatorship of their parents, but that they have peace from it. I read a quote recently from a pediatric therapist and it says, as children grow and their executive networks begin to mature, they're progressively better at regulating their own emotions, resisting impulses, and organizing their time. Structure is scientifically proven to increase the strength of our children's brains. So it's basically saying the structure that we have, these boundaries that we're creating, gives our children the opportunity to help regulate their own emotions, to resist impulses because we are setting boundaries in their lives that they don't yet know how to set. That while it may feel like it's just really hard to tell them no to screen time or no to junk food and it's gonna create a massive mess, children are flexible and formable and not in a negative way. But once you take a few days even consistently detracting them from whatever it might be that they want or giving them another option or just telling them no and this is why, they will begin to adjust to that new boundary. And so it feels like a lot. I know a lot of people struggle with screen time. That's something in our house that 
I feel like I'm always complaining about or whining about because I don't want to be legalistic, but I also don't want to just give this reckless freedom to them with screen time. And so usually in our house, we say like no more than two hours a day combined, no matter what, if you're watching for 15 minutes during lunch or after lunch, and then 30 minutes later, like we keep a tight boundary on the two hours. Again, that does not always happen, but we try. And if they start asking for more and I tell them, no, there's a piece of me inside that is like, oh, I am setting myself up. This is going to be a disaster. They're going to freak out. They're going to panic. Most of the time when I set that boundary and say, no, we've discussed this. You have a full one hour today, so you don't get any screen time. You haven't earned that or you've lost that privilege. Go and find something else to do. And in 99.9% of the time, they might argue back for a little while. They're kind of learning not to do that so much anymore because they get disciplined. But, but once they realize it is not an option and I'm not going to budge because that boundary is set, they go and they find something else to do. So we are giving them, not only allowing them to use their imagination, allowing them to use their minds to do different things, we are setting structure that will ultimately make them feel like they're free rather than in like a prison (laughs) because routines give this sense of security and help them to grow in their own self-discipline as well. And this is going to look different in every home. So we can't say, oh, that mom does it that way, so I'm going to do it this way. We have to look at our schedule, our children's sensitivities, what they need, what they like, what they enjoy, and what they struggle with. But we do have to set them. So Yes, they'll be different, but it is so important to set them because just like the rest of us, children handle changes best if it's expected and it occurs in the context of a familiar routine. They know that it's coming. They know that this happens. And so they don't panic because we're just throwing it on them. We have to be aware and considerate of them and how we are placing these boundaries on them as well. And I think we can all agree that when we see a home with firm boundaries, we see a home that is loving and caring and nurturing, that there are positive results of that. Like it really is common sense. We were at the hospital a few days ago and I saw this kid. I just watched him kind of in awe throwing toys everywhere. He's probably five, six, probably six. And he just found so much joy in throwing things against the wall. And so there were these little playhouses at the hospital and he just picked up all of the food inside the playhouse and chucked it halfway down the hallway in the waiting room. And then I watched him as he walked right in front of us and there was a bench full of toys. And he literally just went one by one and shoved it as hard as he could off into the wall and onto the floor And just very aggressively and, but like smiling and kind of looking around and seeing who's watching me. And I just felt this sense because his parents were watching and they didn't care at all. And it made me feel sad because I don't feel like one that is a conducive environment to live in, to be aggressive and angry and destructive. There's nothing good about that. There's nothing healthy about that. I think there are definitely places to get that angst out for sure. That's what angry pillows are for. (laughs) I don't know if you guys have seen those angry pillows that your kids can punch or beat up or cry into um, just to get that aggression out. But with that said, like I don't see freedom in that kid. I don't see joy in that kid because you just see like 
this anger and this desire for attention and this desire to let people know that he can do whatever he wants. But at that age, they are too little to make those decisions. And so as a mom, I want to be a woman of valor. I want to seek the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind. And I want to protect and nurture my home by creating this structure and this peace. And I believe that by doing this and by seeking him and and trusting God, just asking him, Lord, what do these boundaries need to look like? Give me the strength to implement them. Give me the ability to know what my family needs for peace. And he will honor that. He will give that to you if you lift it up to him. In 1 John 5, 14 through 15, it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So I know that this can be an overwhelming thought. Like if you can immediately sense what's going on, I encourage you to just write it down. If you can think of three things off the top of your head that need boundaries in your home, three areas that are chaotic, a little out of control, stressful, whether it's a time of the day, morning, afternoon, night, if it is a specific situation that creates a lot of stress, if there's something that impacts your children and causes them to act a certain way, this is usually food or television or screen time, not enough time outside, not enough eye-to-eye contact with the parents, whatever it might be, those are things to consider and to write down and just start with number one. If it's screen time, okay, I'm going to limit screen time to this amount per day and I'm going to stick to my guns. And when we have to turn it off, the games, the television, we can have a whiteboard hung up on the wall of different options and things that they can do instead, like read a book, go outside, do their chores, play with Legos, play with toys. And you can ask them, have you done this today? No. Okay. Go outside and play for 30 minutes, whatever. And things like that, it just distracts them. It allows them to know, and it may be a fit. It may be a fight for a while, but it will stick. You just have to stay the course and continue asking for strength. Ask the Lord to solidify your decision. Ask the Lord to guide you in your decision. Ask the Lord to soften your children's hearts as you create these new boundaries. And again, he is faithful to answer our prayers. So don't be overwhelmed. Take it a day at a time, a step at a time, and you will see the fruit of this structure in no time at all. Next is debriefing and checking in. So just like in any relationship, healthy communication leads to healthy relationships. So this is just really common sense, but sometimes we get distracted. We get on our phones or We just get caught up in life and we don't sit down for a meal or sit down and talk. And so one thing that we do as a family is just checking in. We always just say, let's check in together and see how we're doing. We personally do this for dinner um, because that's usually when we're all together, when we're able to sit down with one another and have a meal, not always home cooked because I am not the best at being consistent with that, but we have a meal together and that's important enough for me. And so I always ask Sutton, First thing after we pray, what was your sunny part of today? What is the rainbow part, which is what you look forward to tomorrow? And what was your cloudy part of today? And so it helps me to see into his mind and what he has going on and what affected him. 
And you know what, guys? It's crazy. And I know he's four and a half, so he's young still. But almost every time he says that his rainbow part, because he doesn't quite understand that the rainbow part is what he's looking forward to. He thinks it's his second favorite thing. And so I just take it. But he almost always says that his rainbow part is sitting down with us as a family and eating dinner. And that's like, he has a very soft, sweet heart, but that's always so sweet to me. It's just really cool to hear that. And so I think those things are important to kids as well. But then I asked Jesse what his rainbow, sunny, cloudy part was. And then they asked me, um, and we're able to really communicate our struggles. And just last night, I told them that I was battling bitterness with a certain situation. And I asked all of them, like, can you guys pray for me? I'm not perfect in this. I am falling short in this and I'm finding myself becoming more and more bitter because of a specific situation. And I don't want to live here. I don't want to be in this place. And so it gives them an opportunity to see into mama's heart and to see again that I am not perfect. I don't have it all together. And the same with Jesse's, but also to know that we do care. We're listening. We're eye to eye contact, no phones at the table and we're there. And so whatever yours looks like, it doesn't need to be at the dinner table. Again, every family is different. So you have to have that flexibility with yourself and that grace with yourself to not do it the way that I do it or the way that anyone else does it. Do what works best for you. Another way that we connect is before bed. So Sutton and I will do his verses before bed, and then we will read a book, and then we pray, and then I sing him a song and tickle his back. It's like this whole spiel. It takes forever, (laughs) but I love it. And that's another time when I just lay with him, and he always has these random thoughts that he shares that helps me to see deeper into his mind. And so it's just a constant checking in. It's continual. It doesn't need to be legalistic and and so set in stone, but just do your best to allow it to happen once a day. One thing I often say is that checking in gives us the opportunity to learn what makes each person thrive and what makes each person dive, so to speak. So it just really allows us to fully grasp one another's hearts and minds and not just like the basic questions of, how was school or whatever, but questions like who was your favorite friend to play with today and why, or what was the most impactful thing about school today? You can ask more specific questions to engage and check in. Another important time to check in or debrief is after a large event. It's good, I think, whether you're hosting parties, having parties, going to parties, to just check in. I know a lot of the time I hear stories about other children from my kids that helps me to see why they may have reacted a certain way or what impacted them and how I'll just ask them, how did you feel being around so many people today or or what was your experience with your friends today? And even asking my husband, like, hey, how do you feel after that? You know, how do you, how did that make you feel? How were the conversations with those people? Did they make you feel encouraged and refreshed? Or did they make you feel like you wanted to go crawl in a hole because my husband is an introvert? And so with all of that said, debriefing and checking, there's just so many good things about it. And so for a happy and life-giving home, I think it's so important to do our best to implement those things. Next is managing expectations of our children and our spouses. This one I could go on forever, so I'm going to be really brief. Manage your expectations. It is really, really challenging to try and raise a child that you want to be just like you. It will kill you, (laughs) I promise. It will destroy your heart and your soul because your child is not you. And the way he or she handles things is not the way that you will or did or should, but there are ways that you handle things incorrectly. And so 
I just think if we are able to manage our expectations of one another and know that we are sinners, we are broken and depraved and in need of a savior, you look at your life and just the amount of struggle that you have, when we look at our child, it gives us the ability to have grace and to see that they are imperfect just like us and to not hold them to an exceptional or unattainable standard that is not fair for them to have on their heads. And so it is so important that we remember that God created and designed them in their mother's womb to be specifically as they are. And that is a beautiful thing. And we need to not try to mold and shape God's creation and fix God's creation into an image of ourselves and what we think that they should be. Just embrace the quirks and the habits and the silliness that they have, and our relationship will likely become much better. Lastly, create a healthy family culture and a positive perspective. Okay, so this begins the second you wake up in the morning. Because if you wake up every morning, parents, and you're shocked that your kids are kids, or you're shocked that you have children and that you have to do this all over again. And obviously I'm being facetious when I say that you're shocked. What I'm saying is, is when you're surprised that your kids are crying or you're surprised that your kids are fighting, or you're just immediately overwhelmed and frustrated because you have children and they're acting like children, you have to learn to shift that perspective. This is a battle. This is something I am praying about constantly, which is why I'm talking about it. Because that was like a revelation to me. I literally feel like I heard God tell me, not audibly, but just through my prayers, Lindsay, stop being surprised that you have children. (laughs) Stop being surprised that your children act like children, that they need training, that they need structure, that they need your voice and your hand to calm and to bring peace to your home and life to your home. Like That is why I have given you to them, Lindsay, is to be that to them. And so don't be so surprised. A mother, a parent in general, has the power to destroy the joy in their home and to set the tone for the rest of the day. And I have had many moments like today where I just squashed the joy. And it's so sad. It really breaks my heart because I know I'm not expected to be perfect. But 2 Corinthians 5 tells me that I am an ambassador of Christ, which means that he is using me to display his love to my children. He is using me as his ambassador to display his goodness and his kindness and his graciousness to my children. Am I being a good ambassador of that to my children? Am I creating a culture in my home that represents Christ's goodness, love, patience, long-suffering, self-control? Probably not most of the time, but I want that I want to be a woman who remembers that my children are a heritage from the Lord, a reward from the womb, like it says in Psalm 127. They are a reward. And so every day I wake up and I ask God to set the tone for my home. We create a family culture. We talk about that family culture, that we are a family who displays kindness that we are a family that is not led by pride or comfort, that we are a family that 
respects everyone and treats everyone equally because that is how God views them. And so we have a list of these, but this is our culture of our home. Do we always live it out? Absolutely not. But do we always remind one another of that? Yes. And that is how a culture is built, is by continuing to point one another to Jesus, to remind one another of who we are, who we want to be, who we are called to be, and living that out. So in the mornings, when I am setting the tone for my home, that is a negative tone, because I'm shocked every morning that my two wild boys like tackle each other (laughs) at 6 a.m., I have to stop being so shocked by that and instead set the boundaries that need to be set. If I know that those are set in stone and that I'm doing the best that I can and that they know what is expected of them, then I just follow through with those rules, with those boundaries, but I also don't allow my heart to get so invested that I'm taking it personally and getting angry and frustrated because that doesn't do anything for the culture of our home. And if we want an emotionally healthy home that does not begin with a perpetually impatient and frustrated mother or father. And so that has just been the word to my heart lately that has been seeping in and moving in me. And I'm thankful for that because I need it desperately because I'm really, really, really weak in this area. Um, For those of you mamas who feel like you didn't get that mama trait. (laughs) That is how I am. I'm like, I don't have that gene. This is not natural to me. I have to work really stinking hard at this. And so you're not alone in that if you're there. But I just hope, I hope this is not defeating to you. I hope this does not feel like a list of rules and regulations. And I pray against that right now, that your heart will not receive it in that way, but that you will receive it in a way of, I get to do these things. I get to set boundaries and feel some peace from the chaos that's in my home right now. I get to go on a family vacation once a year or a family camping trip or backyard camping trip if that's all that you can make happen. I get to do those things with my family. Not I have to. I need to set this in stone and make sure it happens. That's not my heart behind this, and I hope you guys know that. We have been given freedom in Christ. We are not slaves to anything. We are not slaves to rules and regulations. We are not slaves to what other women do. We are only servants of Christ's love, and that is such a gift. And so I just want to encourage you all, lastly, that really when honor and respect are present in your home, when a healthy marriage is fought for, and when laughter and community exist inside the four walls of your house— Your home, you guys, can produce children who can change the world. Don't diminish the power of a healthy home. Love you guys. Hey guys, if you love the show, the best compliment you could ever give is to share the love. If you enjoyed this episode, take a quick screenshot to share on your stories or on Facebook and tag me, or you can simply text it to a friend or family member. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at livingeasypodcast or at lindsay.maestas. The more you share, the more of an opportunity we all have to bring a little bit of hope and joy to people around the world. So let's do it together. Thank you all so much for your support and for listening to Living Easy. You guys are the best ever. Have a great day. Bye.